the four verse four, right? That you know, um, that he was crippled in both feet, disabled. And in those time, back in in those days, right, people with uh, disabilities, right, they were considered uh, unworthy of honor, unworthy of help. Okay, so to just set the story a little bit, okay, so follow with me, ah. Uh. So after David, after David became uh, king of Israel, right, he wanted to show kindness to whoever is left of Saul's lineage, right, for the sake of his friendship with Jonathan. And David wanted to honor that bond and that covenant between him and Jonathan. So that when, you know, when David found out about um, Mephibosheth, David invited him to come and dine at the king's table. Okay, come, everyone, imagine with me, right? Could you imagine the fear that was going through Okay, think of yourself as Mephibosheth, okay? Put yourself in Mephibosheth's shoe. Okay, imagine, okay, the king of Israel invited you to dine at his table. What would you think? Throw out some answers. You know, what would you think? How would you feel? Die lah. <laughs> yeah? You know, what would you think? You probably think, you know, am I going to die? Is the king going to, you know, going to, Serve me my last meal, show me kindness, and then kill me off. <laughs> right? I can't even save myself if I wanted to. I'm crippled in both feet. <laughs> right? The king invited me to dine. I cannot even walk there. <laughs> you know, someone had to carry me. <laughs> right? And back then, uh, in those, uh, in the culture, right? Back then, it was not uncommon for new uh, rulers or new kings to basically, you know, kill off uh, the lineage of previous rulers and king, right? You know, the, the lineage of previous rulers and kings were basically threats to the new king. Oftentimes, they do it out of, you know, out of jealousy or basically, they, they, you know, they were just insecure. La. They scared, you know, this fellow will come back and you steal my throne, a bit like K-drama like that, okay? So could you imagine again what was going through his mind, you know? This guy come to you, hey, the king has invited you to go for dinner, Right? And then no other details, just, just dinner. <laughs> just dinner. <laughs> right? But we, we know the story. So Mephibosheth was shown kindness, and then he dined at the king's table, not just once, but regularly. And the Bible says also like one of the king's own sons. Prince treatment. Okay? Whatever the prince had, he had to. Which brings me to my first point. The reason why Mephibosheth could dine at the king's table is because of this point one, the heart of a servant. Everyone say the heart of a servant. Okay, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 to 3. Okay, verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Right? So the Bible says that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Right? So Mephibosheth could dine at the king's table because his father, Jonathan, loved David 
served David, you know, fought alongside with David. They had a bond between them. And just as Jonathan um, loved and served David, David did the same for Mephibosheth. And that was David's way, right, of serving Jonathan. That was David's way of, uh, of honouring that covenant, that pact that they made to serve and to love Mephibosheth. So Gen Z, okay, another Gen Z lesson. <laughs> okay, Gen Z <laughs> has this thing, we say, that I still want to see you eat, but just not at my table. Uh, anyone know what that means? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> okay. So some Gen Z lesson here, okay? So I just want to, I still want to see you eat, but just not at my table. Basically means, yeah, you have betrayed me before. Yeah, I've been hurt by you before. Yeah, maybe me and you, we got some conflicts. Yeah, I forgive you, but I haven't for, I've not forgotten yet. So yeah, I don't want you to die. I still want to see you eat, just not with me. Just not at my table. Right? So logically speaking, wouldn't have David acted like that too? Right? Because Mephibosheth was, technically speaking, a threat. He was a lineage of a previous ruler. Right? But what David did was he invited him to come and dine at the king's table. Okay? Now, okay, we're all sitting at round tables, right? Okay, stare at the person opposite of you, sitting opposite of you. <laughs> Just look into the person's eyes. Okay? Imagine the other person is just eating. Okay. Okay, some people eat. This is a, a peppy of mine. Some people eat without closing their mouth. Just. Ah. Okay, some people eat and then they. Sorry, I'm a bit OCD, but everywhere the table is all food, you know, rice, vegetables. I cannot. But what happens at the table, right? Okay, is sometimes your perspective about the other person changes. Right, oh, this person. Ah, why is he eating like this? I just want to go up to him, hold his chin, close your mouth, and chew. <laughs> okay? <laughs> oh, that's why you bring first date to go and, you know, that's why first date you always bring go eat food, right? Ah, how this person treat the waiter, how this person treat the waitress, you know? Yeah, your perspective about people changes at the table, right? So imagine this with me again, okay? For everyone else who... Uh, the palace, the king's palace, right? Sitting at the table, getting ready to eat dinner. Suddenly, right, the door swing wide open like K-drama, like that boom. And then Mephibosheth walks in. You see the grandson of a previous king who tried to kill your king walk in and he's going to have dinner with you. How would you feel? You get a bit defensive, right? Why is this guy here? Yeah. Yet, your king, or King David, did not just invite him to dine, but treated him like one of the king's own son. Prince treatment, how would you feel? As you're dining, imagine you're dining there with Mephibosheth, how would you feel? And imagine David just, you know, showing him love, maybe... Maybe in Asian culture, we kept a bit of chicken leg or whatever put on the plate for him. 
right? Perhaps, maybe, you know, maybe your perspective of, of what it means to be a king changes. Or maybe, maybe, maybe your perspective of what it means to serve as someone who is in position or in power is challenged and changed. Right? David extended God's grace and God's kindness to Mephibosheth. See, just as Jonathan loved and served David, David did the same for Mephibosheth. You see, carrying the heart of a servant, right, comes with humility. It comes with selflessness. It comes with loving God, loving people. And for a king, a king, uh, in those times, the most powerful person, the, for a king to invite someone from the lineage of a previous royalty to dine together, it will either require a very thick face or selflessness and humility. Right? There were others at the table. It's not just King David and Mephibosheth. Right? And they probably, you know, had their perspective challenged too. But my point is this. You see, carrying a servant's heart, right? Carrying a servant's heart changes perspectives. And that change goes beyond the present. What Jonathan did for David, right? Jonathan had no guarantee that David would treat Mephibosheth with love. He had no guarantee that David would show Mephibosheth, you know, kindness and grace, treat him like one of his sons. But yet what Jonathan chose to do was to love and to serve David. Yeah? See, a servant's heart changes your perspective and that change can leave a generational impact. Yeah? A servant's heart changes your perspective and that change can leave a generational impact. Pastor preached about um, feet washing, right, last week. Right? So imagine this. You see, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, I believe it would have also changed the disciples' perspective of what it really means to serve, what it really means to carry the heart of a servant. And that change in the disciples' heart or in the perspective, right? That change went beyond the present. And it left a generational impact. And it's the same, right? For every generation that's represented here in our church, here in, in Harvest Generation Church, right? We all play a role, right? We all play a role in passing down God's, um, God's grace and God's blessing to future generations and across the generations. Yeah. Which brings me to point two, which is also my last point. <laughs> Short one today, but yeah. The reason why Mephibosheth could dine at the king's table was because Jonathan not only carried the heart of a servant, but Jonathan recognized God's calling upon David's life. Okay? So turn with me to 
First Samuel chapter 23. First Samuel chapter 23, verse 16 to 17. Hey, verse 16, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be king of Israel and I will be next to you. As my father Saul is well aware. See, both Saul and Jonathan knew that David was going to be the next king of Israel. Right? They both recognized that. They saw that David was called by God. David was God's anointed one. They both knew that David had, had God's calling upon his life. Right? But what Saul did was Saul wanted to kill David out of jealousy. Saul saw David as a, uh, basically as a rival or a threat to his throne. You know, there was competition between the two uh, generations, basically, between Saul and David. And Saul was essentially jealous of David's uh, calling and David's anointing, forgetting that he too once had the same calling and anointing. See, for each generation that's here in church, right, I believe very strongly that there is a call of God upon each generation. And we are not to, you know, we are not here to compete with each other. It's not a competition, right? Each generation has its own call, and we are not to be jealous or to be envious of, of each other. Jonathan, on the other hand, unlike his father, he recognized the call of God upon David, loved David as his own, and he didn't just stop at recognizing the call. Huh? He protected David. He guarded that call for him. First Samuel chapter 20, verse 11 to 15. Okay, verse 11 says, Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Jonathan told David, I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. Verse 14, And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love. Even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. Jonathan, firstly, he recognized God's calling upon David's life. He knew. He knew that David was going to be the next king of Israel. See, for Jonathan, right, for, for, okay, so for Jonathan, for Saul to kill David is actually to Jonathan's advantage. Because if David die and Saul die, the next in line would be Jonathan. He would be king. Right? Yet, when Saul wanted to kill David, when Jonathan was the next in line to be king, Jonathan would not have it. And because Jonathan recognized the call of God upon David, 
You know, he guarded David. He protected David. He protected David so that David could fulfill his calling, fulfill God's calling. And because Jonathan recognized that there is a call of God upon David's life and willfully allowed for it to happen, Jonathan's future generations were blessed. Mephibosheth could dine at the king's table because of what Jonathan did back then. There was blessings across his future generations. And Mephibosheth was blessed because of Jonathan. You see, just one life, just one life is enough to change generations. Okay? I'm going to say that again. Just one life can change generations. And are you owning up to it? If you believe God has a call upon your life, or if you believe that God has a call upon your generation, what are you doing about it? Okay, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We go back to that passage again. 2 Samuel chapter 9, 9 verse 11. Verse 9, Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his house. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him, and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do according to everything that my lord the king commands. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's own son. Mephibosheth was not only blessed by having to dine at the table, but there was restoration. See, Mephibosheth was not only invited to dine as the, at the king's table, but he was restored unto him what belonged to Saul. And even though Mephibosheth was fatherless by then, right, he was well taken care of. There was a generational impact in what Jonathan did. Just one life. Just one life can change generations. That was Jonathan's legacy. What are we leaving behind? See, Jonathan was not willing to see God's call and God's uh, anointing upon David get, uh, get snuffed out and go to waste. He recognized it, made sure to guard it, protected David so that David could fulfill it, right? See, there's an importance in recognizing God's call upon each generation. Now, the meaning, the meaning for Mephibosheth, right, the Hebrew origin for Mephibosheth means out of shame. It means one, the, the one who throws away shame. And the place that Mephibosheth was dwelling in before he was invited, Lodibar, literally translates to no pasture, 
nothing. Right? What Jonathan did took Mephibosheth, a place, uh, sorry, a man with nothing to call his own, from a place of nothing, from Lodiba all the way to the king's table. There was not only blessing across his generation, but he was restored too. See, just one life can change generations. What Jonathan did left the generational impact in Mephibosheth's life. One person can live an impact that changes generations to come. So imagine, imagine what more can we do together as a church. Imagine what God can do through us as a church when each generation comes together. And it's not just each generation running on their own. It's not just, you know, campus on their own, lah, we build whatever we want to and then the others don't build whatever we want to. It's not. We are here to work together. Right? And I'm going to close. Right? This is what church is about. This is what Harvest Generation Church is about. We are for the generations. It's not just one. It's not just the, you know, the younger generation that matters. But every generation matters. See, for each and every generation that's represented here in church, we need to recognize God's call upon each generation, upon their lives, and upon those around them. And it's not a competition, right? Each generation has its purpose and calling, and each generation matters. Jonathan played his part. David played his part. Every person is important. Every person plays a part in building God's house. Right? And it is only when we work together, you know, each generation coming together to play its part that we can see blessings across generations. Okay, everyone save me. Secure the bag. <laughs> right? And as much as I'm here, right? As much as standing here. I think it's my first time preaching in church. <laughs> Not the first time preaching in Brown Campus, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, so as much as, you know, the voice of the younger generation matters, and, you know, we are probably the loudest one also. <laughs> Sermon title also Gen Z slang. It does not mean that every other generation does, uh, does not matter. All right? For the, for the older generations, the uncles and aunties in church. <laughs> my mom's waving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. See, for the older generation, the uncles and aunties in church, we, the younger ones, we are not your replacements. Yeah, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for what you have sown into, what you have built and paid for us. But we are not just here to take over your positions. We are not just here to be successors. The younger generation, we are not just here to be replacements. 
of the older generation. And for the for the younger generation, you know, Audrey Audrey said this to me years ago when I told Audrey, uh, I cannot lie, I want to quit worshipy, I want to take a break. <laughs> Audrey said this to me, you know, think of it as running with the giants. So for the younger generations, we are running with the giants, right? We are walking in the path that they have paved and they have carved out for us. Built on what they have sown into, built on what they have prepared and paved for you. For most of the campus students, um, they came last year. They just joined church last year. You, know, you all have only seen Harvest Generation Church in this, in this building, right? <laughs> and we have this place to call home for the students. If you don't know, the students, after every Sunday service, they go for lunch, then they come back lunch, they stay all the way until midnight. I also cannot keep up. Okay. But we have this place to call home. It's because of people who have sown into this place. People who have come, come and paint the walls, <laughs> come and clean. So each generation matters. And we have our role to play. Yeah? And this is what Harvest Generation is about. We are for the generations. Right. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray. We're going to pray for each, um, each generation that's represented here in church. Um, can I just get Uncle John? Uncle John, are you here? Yeah, Uncle John, can you come? Dula as well, Manua, and Alice. You can just come, come to the stage. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray for each generation that's represented here in church. We're going to pray that each generation will fulfill God's calling upon its generation. We are not here just to sing some songs, Listen to a feel-good message and then go home. That's it. Yeah, we encounter God together. That's good. But if you encounter God and you leave without moving in the power of God, without moving in obedience, it's nothing but just a feel-good feeling. And the scary thing about a feel-good feeling, right, is you get addicted to it. Every time you just want to come, you just want to encounter God. Nothing wrong with wanting to encounter God. But if that is all there is, something's wrong. Every generation has a call of God upon their life. Right? Can I, can I just get you guys to, to stand in the front? Yeah, so Uncle, Uncle John represents the 50 and above. Can I see a show of hands for those that are 50 and above? Yeah? Yeah, let's give them a clap. And then Manwa. Manwa. For those that are 30 to 50, between 30 to 50, <laughs> show your hands. <laughs> and then Biola, for those that are 20 to 30, I'm, I'm in that generation. And then for Alice, Alice, still, still not an adult yet. <laughs> we always laugh at her because when she goes for camp, she still has to sign that parental release form. <laughs> yeah, so those that are below 20, even for the kids. So what we're going to do is we're going to get them to pray and we're going to lay hands 
upon your generation. So if you have someone on your table, or even if it's not on your table, I want you to turn around to that person who's represented in that generation and lay hands on them and pray. John. I'm still not used to people calling me uncle. Uh. <laughs> but the fact is a fact. Uh. The moment you go above 50, uh, like it or not, people call you uncle, you say, okay, no problem. Come, let's pray. Yeah. Father Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this uh, evening. We thank you for this uh, anniversary, Lord, the 17th anniversary for Harvest Generation. And Father, we ask for your special anointing, Lord, to come upon the leadership of this church, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the works of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to continue to be manifest in this place, Lord, that this church will be called a generational church, Lord, a church that will evangelize, a church that will equip, a church, Lord, that will, will, will transform, Lord, nations of the world, Lord. We pray, Lord, for the people in this church, Lord, that they will be well-trained, Lord, so that they will be well-equipped, Lord, to do the works of God, Lord, not our work, but the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord. So, Father, this evening, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the 17th anniversary. And also, Lord, as we celebrate the 60th year of Malaysia, Lord, the formation of Malaysia, we also give you thanks, Lord, for the peace and the shalom we enjoy all these years, Lord. And we pray for greater peace and abundance to fall upon Malaysia and the people in Malaysia, Lord, from the peninsula of Malaysia to Sabah and Sarawak, Lord. And, Lord, I want to pray for the Caleb and the Joshua generation, O oh Lord. Father, we pray for your special anointing to come upon each one of us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we will, we will still be impactful, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that we will pass the baton, Lord. The baton, Lord, of leadership. The baton of Moses, Lord, to the next generation, Lord. And Father, we are going to create a tsunami, Lord. A tsunami to the next generation, O oh Lord. So Father, anoint us, O oh Lord. The Caleb generation, O oh Lord. That we will continue to conquer, Lord. And we will continue to be an impact, Lord, to the marketplace, Lord to the family, to, to the place where we work, Lord, and even, Lord, to places that you are going to send us to, Lord. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, and we ask for your special anointing, for your special favour, for your special blessing, Lord, and, Lord, for your wisdom, Lord. And, Lord, we acknowledge, Lord, Holy Spirit, without you, we can do nothing, Lord. So, we, com we commit our life into your loving hands, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you continue, Lord, to be in us, to touch, to transform, and to change, Lord, for the purpose, to fulfillment of your purpose and plan for each one of us, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' most precious name, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's continue to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for today. God, indeed, that we get to be part of what you've called us to be, to be part of your kingdom. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that as we navigate, Lord, through our seasons, through our calling, Lord, through our purpose, in our very season, our seasons to come, God, I pray, O oh God, that you will continue to mold us and to shape us, Lord, to the people that you want us to be. God, we pray, O oh God, that our passion and our fire will never run dry. And Lord, we pray, O oh God, that as we continue to look to you, God, you will fill us, fill us to the brim. And God, we declare Psalms 23 over our lives that God, your goodness and your mercy will follow us 
for the rest of our lives. And God, we pray that as your grace and your faithfulness continue to unfold in and through our season as Lord, young adults, God, we pray, oh God, that God, we will be the bearers of your hope. God, we will be the carriers of your presence in the marketplace, God, in our community, in our homes, oh God. And so, God, we, we continue to uphold, Lord, our, our family, our future our generations and our previous generations to you, God, knowing, God, that you are doing a work in and through us. And Holy Spirit, we pray, we will continue to partner with you. And God, we will never lose sight of what you're doing. God, we will never, Lord, uh, lose hope in you, oh God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now for the 20 and 30s, Bila. Shiria Tarabasi, Kiria Tarabaha, Tarabahadi. Shiria Larabasi, Kiria Tarabasi, Kiria Tarabasi. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amen, amen. Okay, now for those are 20 and below, can I see a show of hands? Yeah, we, we have kids here every Sunday or so. Right, we believe, right? As young as they are, God has a calling for them as well. As young as they are, they can encounter God too. 
So, alis. Shiria tarabasi, kiria tarabahan, tarabahan, tarabasi, kiria. Shiria tarabasi, kiria tarabasi, kiria tarabasi. Shiria tarabahan, tarabahan, tarabahan. Yeah. Yes. Amen. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 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 Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Just remember, this is what church is about. We are for the generations, not just the younger ones, but every generation matters. But yeah, but before service ends, I'm just going to do this one thing. Can I just get everyone to, to close your eyes and bow your head? Yeah, I just want to pray for two groups of people. Right, for the first group, okay, maybe your friend invited you here, or maybe you, 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 it's here in your first time in church, but you don't know about Jesus. You have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I just want to let you know that there is a King that invites you to come and dine at his table. There's a king that invites you to be part of his family. And for the second group of people, you may, be have, you may have been hiding in Lodiba, a place of nothing, a place of no pasture. You have been far away. You have shame, you have guilt, there is a king that invites you to dine with him. There is a king that invites you to be part of his family. So if you are these two groups of people, if you belong to these two groups of people, at the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and just put it down. Okay, one, two, three. Yes, I see the hand. Yeah, I see the hand. And with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, everyone repeat after me. 
Dear Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for your love. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you have died on the cross and have rose again. Today, I open up my heart and, and I invite you in. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Father, I repent of my sins. I come before you. In Jesus' name, everyone say, Amen, Amen. So if you lifted up your hands, okay, someone will go and, a leader will go and talk to you later. But if no one can talk to you, come and talk to me. <laughs> All right? Uh, yeah, service is over. But before that, let me just end with a prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence upon this place. God, we pray that even as we enjoy the rest of the night, we go home, we do our things, we go to work, we go to study. God, we pray. Help us to be carriers of your presence. God, I pray. We know that you have a call, for, a, a, for a call upon each, each generation. So God, I pray you help us to see it. Speak to us in clarity that God, we can hear you clearly to what you want us to do. And Father, I pray that this, this fire that's inside us, that this passion inside of us will not just stay with us, but it will go and it will reach generations. So Father, I pray that let your Holy Spirit and let your fire fill every heart. Let your Holy Spirit, let your presence fill every heart. Let your glory fill every heart. So Father, we come before you humbly today. God, we say that our lives belong to you. So use us. Use each and every generation. Let us be united as one. That God, we will not be jealous. We will not be envious of the other generations. But we will do our part. That we will guard one another. So Father, I pray. The Holy Spirit, you work in and through our lives. Work in and through our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come on, let's give God a sound of praise. <laughs> Ivan.